Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 29. Yahtzee! Hello and welcome back. What, two and a half weeks now since the last show, and I think I'm right about schedule. I'm looking forward to this show. This one is about Yahtzee-like games. It was kind of fun researching this one. I think it'll be a pretty quick show. Maybe not. It might last a little while. I found a bunch of stuff to mention, I think. That being said, I'm finding it hard to get into the idea of recording tonight, so I've got myself a little bit of a drink. Maybe it'll inspire me a bourbon. It's pretty tasty. I've just started it, so it's not the alcohol talking yet. Anyways, I said this episode is on Yahtzee Light Games, so before we jump into that, let's do a couple other things. First, we're going to talk about the news. First item is uh, GMT's latest issue of C3i has two things that are interesting. One is there is an a solitaire expansion for No Retreat, The Russian Front, which they just recently published and is apparently out of print already. My guess is they'll be reprinting it again as soon as they have a chance, which might be like a year away or something. And then also in the magazine, there is an interview with John H. Butterfield. He designed Ambush, which we talked about recently. He designed a few other games like D-Day at Omaha Beach, which I've heard really good things about. It was an interesting interview. It mostly talked about a... His history going working through um, with the different companies he worked with, with SPI and Victory Games, and it, it was pretty neat to read about. Next up, there's an, a solo expansion being released for the game Archipelago, which is a it's a cooperative game. I think the game is for two to four players, and the expansion is basically a bunch of solo scenarios you could play, if I understood correctly. There is no North American release date yet, but I think it is already available in Europe. The third item is there is a game currently on playtest called Hostage Negotiator designed by AJ Portfolio who also designed If I'm Going Down which is a game I'm hoping to talk about soon. It's available for playtest. I've been playing it and I've been having a lot of fun with it. You might want to check it out. If you go to the games page on BoardGameGeek you could uh, find out how to sign up to, to beta test it. It's an e-card game, and it plays pretty quick, and it's easy to print out the components, so I suggest trying it out. Next, I want to look back at the year solo gaming highlights. So I went through and looked at all the games I played in the last 12 months, and then I wrote down the ones I thought were notable. So these are not in any particular order. I think reverse chronological sort of order or something. Anyway, first on the list is If I'm Going Down. I had a lot of fun playing that one. It's It's got a nice creepy theme with really neat artwork. Next is D-Day Dice, which was on Kickstarter last year. It got released this year and, you know, got the game after I backed into Kickstarter with tons of stuff. I didn't get any expansions, but sure was, sure is a lot of stuff in that box, and it's a fun game. I'm happy with that one. Next would be Ambush, which I have finally played. I actually managed to play two scenarios, which is more than I thought I'd get to do when I recorded the podcast episode recently. It's a neat game. It really is cool. And I'm hoping to get another chance to try it still. I keep thinking, yeah, maybe I should try it third scenario soon. So so let's see. Next would be Last Frontier, Vesuvius Incident. Again, a game I'd been putting off for a long time and finally tried it just for the podcast. A lot of fun with that one. Number five is Flashpoint Fire Rescue, which when I first saw it, I thought it looked really neat. I did it back in a Kickstarter when it was available. Finally got a copy this year and the first expansion. Had a lot of fun playing that. And it's a really neat game. I thought it really worked. It works really well with the theme. 
and then the new expansion came out and I backed that on Kickstarter and got it so I've been very happy with that game then another fun game which was a surprise was the Lord of the Rings the Adventure Deck game which at some point I should talk about it is a print and play game I got it when ArtsCow was having a sale and I ordered a deck of cards for like $6 or something like that it's a very simple game it's a push your luck game and considering how simple the game is it's really neat and really fun and number seven which I should mention is I should mention it but I can't pronounce it is Yggdrasil which is a a cooperative game in Norse mythology in the US was published by Z-Man Games I actually haven't played it solitaire I've only played it cooperatively but I really liked it because it felt an awful lot like a States of Siege game by Victory Point Games all the same mechanics with really nice components and great gameplay couple disappointments first up is uh, the game formerly known as Equilibrion now known as Erbion and probably should just be called Duke Nukem Forever because it kind of feels like it's never going to come out. It was supposed to come out last year, originally, I think, like August, and just kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. And the latest news, it should be out sometime in February, I think, of next year, as Erbion. And that's a sequel to Onirum by Shady Torbay. My second disappointment was GMT's Revolt and Revolution, which got canceled. I was really looking forward to that coming out. And that it was a reprint of three States of Siege games by Victory Point Games, plus one new one. All being published with GMT's component quality. And uh, the third disappointment was Oran Labora, which I was pretty excited about. It turns out I did not find it to be that fun of a solitaire experience. It's a nice game, multiplayer, but yeah, solitaire is just too puzzle-like even. So that's it. So that was a quick rundown of this year's solitaire gaming for me. Let's move on to the next section of Yahtzee. Okay. So as I said, today I'm talking about Yahtzee-like games. <clears throat> what I mean by that is games that have that rolling and re-rolling mechanic. And basically in Yahtzee you roll five dice, and then either you decide to stop and take the results of their five dice, or set some of them aside and roll the rest again. Once you've done that, again, decide if you're going to take the results of all five, or do a third roll. In that case, you could re-roll any of the dice you re-rolled the second time one more time. You could choose to re-roll one, two, three, whatever, however many you have left. And after the third roll, you have to keep whatever's left. Once you've set a die aside, you can't re-roll that one. That one stays the way it is. After you've done that in Yahtzee, then you figure out the how to assign the dice to one of the different sections in the scorecard, and, and you score it based on the rule for that section. But the, the Yahtzee mechanic I'm talking about specifically is the die rolling and setting aside of dice. And there's a lot of games that borrow that to use it one way or another. Some copy it exactly, some have different variations on it. But they all generally feel pretty Yahtzee-like. In many of the games, it's a core mechanic. In other games, it's just a part of the game. There's some push or luck to it because you're you're rolling the dice and you're trying to figure out what how to score the dice. you got a few options. and You know you could always take an easy choice and score that and you probably don't even have to re-roll. Or you could try for a higher score, which tend to be riskier and you might not get it. So there's some push your luck trying to decide what to do, and, and there's strategy in the game too because you want to decide how you score it and which sections you put it in. You often have two choices. Like, for example, if you roll four sixes, you could choose to put it in, in the sixes section on the top or in the four of a kind section on the bottom. And so you got to decide you know, which one you think seems like the best choice depending on where you are in the game and all that. 
So it's really simple. The whole game takes like probably like five minutes per person. So you know, you play it. There's not a lot of commitment. You have some fun. You push your luck, and then you play again. When you're playing solo, it's basically you're trying to beat your previous score. And when I play it solo, what I do is I'll, I'll play it three or four times and just see what my highest score is. And it doesn't really matter. I don't track it from one time to the next year when I play it again or whatever. It's just a fun diversion for a few minutes. So the history of Yahtzee is pretty interesting. It's um, It traces its... Okay, this is according to Wikipedia. It traces its roots back to three or four different games. Puerto, a Puerto Rican game called Generala, um, English Poker Dice, and English Cheerio. I'm not sure exactly the rules. Poker dice, it's basically using dice with uh, poker faces on them and rolling them to see who gets the best poker hand. And all three of these games apparently share that same mechanism of rolling and setting aside, re-rolling, setting aside, and re-rolling again. So Yahtzee gets its origins from those games, apparently. But it, it also comes from a game called Yap and a game called Yacht. And there's a story that a Canadian couple had made the game up and then when asked um, Mr. E.S. Lowe, the guy that started that publishing company, to go make a, the game for them so they could give it to their friends, he tried it out and liked it so much he decided to publish it and he bought the game from them for like a few hundred dollars and then printed millions and millions of copies. That story is a little suspect because according to the couple, according to the story, the couple is unknown. They... um. They named the game Yacht because they used to play it on a yacht with their friends. You know, and this was like in 1954 or so, and, you know, there's no mention of that. The fact that the the original Yacht game, which is very similar to that, dates predates 1939. If you look at old uh, Hoyle's rule books, you'll see it in there. So I don't know, it's a neat story. My guess is E.S. Lowe made that story up to make it sound more interesting and maybe sell more copies or something. Either way, it's a, it's a game that has its origins in older games. It's a real simple mechanic, works really well, and it translates into lots of other different games. So let me give you a rundown of well, 16 different games I know of that use that Yahtzee mechanic one way or another, and are all playable solitaire. First up is Yahtzee, and there's tons of variants of Yahtzee. There's Disney Yahtzee, and I'm sure there's Simpsons Yahtzee, and this Yahtzee, and that Yahtzee. There's unthemed older versions like a deluxe Yahtzee that had you play three games and score them total and there's others which I don't remember now but yeah there's there's tons of variants some current and some older out of print ones there's another game called Kismet which is an awful lot like Yahtzee but now the dice have colors on three different colors on each of the sides so yeah and the coloring affects the scoring I don't know how it is I've never actually played Kismet next is Poker Dice this is not as playable solo, I think, but it still is. And you're, like I said, you're basically rolling five dice with poker faces on them. So they have a keen, queen, a jack, a ten, an ace, and a nine. And you roll the dice and see what, how good a poker hand you could get at the end. I have an old Hoyles book, and according to that book, that game used to be played to to settle the tab after dinner. Like if you went out to dinner with a bunch of friends, you pull out your poker dice. Whoever gets the best hand pays for dinner, or whoever gets the worst hand, I guess, pays for dinner. Next is Spare Time Bowling, and this is a game, I think, that's also gone through a few different publishers and names and stuff, and it's the same sort of thing. You roll the dice, you set them aside, roll them again, but this time the dice have bowling pins on them on one side, sometimes, too, I guess it depends on the version, 
and uh, a spare symbol on it. And here you're just trying to bowl and try and get the best score you can in a, in a bowling game. So you play 10, 10 rounds. The version I used to have growing up, I remember, came in a little plastic bowling pin that was also the shaker. Next is Phase 10 Dice, which I have had, I used to have, and I played it before. And I don't remember very much. I think you were trying to get runs or other types of scoring, and the, and the dice had weird numbers. I think they ranged from 0 to 10 across all the dice in the game. Next up is an interesting one. It's Rainer Knizia's Decathlon. This is a free print-and-play game, and you're basically playing in 10 different Olympic sports competing with other players to see who gets the best score. You can play by yourself to see how high a score you can get. It's pretty neat. Each game in the decathlon uses 10 different, different, slightly different rules depending on the sport. And the rules actually feel sort of thematic. Not all of them are Yahtzee-like, but many of the games are. Next is Cinco. Again, it's very Yahtzee-like. I don't remember the rules of this one at all. Just another variant. All these you could pretty much play with just regular dice. Except it's a thing for... Spare Time Bowling and Phase 10 dice game. So far, all these are just variants of the same thing. The next one is the Catan dice game, which is the game I'll be talking about in more detail later. This one uses the the Yahtzee mechanic to to build structures, to build roads and buildings and cities and knights. And then you just try and get the highest score you can in the game. This one is interesting because when you set a die aside, you can... Later on, choose to re-roll them. So, for example, the first time I roll, I could set aside a stone. I re-roll again, and based on what I got this time, I decide I don't really want the stone anymore. I want a different material. I could pick that stone back up and re-roll him. And also use a six dice instead of five. Next is Roll Through the Ages, which, again, uses a Yahtzee mechanic. The number of dice you have is variable. I think you start with three. And little by little, you could buy a dice and build up to, I think, six dice. In this game, you're using the results of the dice rolls. Each result has a different effect. Some of them are bad, some give you money, some give you food, some give you workers, and you use them to do different things depending on which ones you get. And the goal in the end is to well, to get the highest score. Next is the D6 Shooters. Can't say a lot about this one. I played it a long time ago. It uses Yahtzee Mechanic, and it's got a, a theme, a cowboy theme, and you play it on a on a board where you're moving along from one town to the other. And when I say board, I mean a, a pr- piece of paper you print out that has a bunch of little squares that you cross off as you succeed on the rolls. At your destination, you then have to fight the bad guys. And if I remember right, the better you've done as you've played the game, the better your chances of winning the fight at the end. Next is to court the king, which is a little different. In the, Again, you start with very few dice, and you roll them. Each time you roll, you got to set at least one die aside, and you keep doing this until you run out of dice. So potentially, if you have lots of dice, you'll be rolling more than three times. The The result of your roll determines what card you can buy. Each card has a different cost, say, one might say a straight, or one might say three of a kind, or one might say you need two ones. It just depends. The harder it is to succeed at it, the more valuable that card is, and the better the benefits. And each card does have a benefit. Some cards will let you... Roll an extra die, some will let you change a face of one die, some will let you move pips around from die to die. So as you start playing and you get more more of these cards, you get more abilities, and you could get much better rows that you could control. That's a pretty fun game. It is not for one player, but there is a one-player variant on there that's okay. Next is Delve the Dice Game. I wrote this down, downloaded the rules, but I haven't printed them out, so unfortunately I can't say a whole lot about it. But it does sound neat. It's a fantasy game, and I... If I remember right, it's something like D6 Shooters. 
and there's lots of uh, different scenarios you can play, and that's what I think. There's even a couple campaigns you could play through. So it's a fantasy-themed Yahtzee game. Okay, number 13 is Zombie Dice. Again, this one has a solitaire variant, and I, I've never played this one. I don't really know anything about the Zombie Dice game. I know it's by Steve Jackson Games, and I know it's Yahtzee-like. Number 14 is D-Day Dice, which I've talked before. This one, again, you, you always... Start. You always roll six dice in this game. You have to set two aside in the first turn, and then in the second you can set as any more you want aside, and then the third roll. In this one, the results of the dice give you different, give you points in different categories, and then you could spend those points different ways depending on the category. For example, you could get equipment points, or you could get combat units, or you could get leadership points. And each of the equipment points you could buy equipment cards, leadership points you could buy leaders, and unit points you'll use through the game. As you play, you lose units over and over, so you're always trying to get more units. As you're playing the game, the die rolling mechanism is just a way to get resources. Really, the point of the game is to move forward on the board, and you need the resources to, to do that successfully. Number 15 is Fistful of Penguins. It's sort of Yahtzee-like in that you could re-roll dice, but you have to spend points to get, or you spend penguins to, to re-roll dice. And the dice have different animals on each side, and some of the sides are penguins, which will... If you roll penguins, you get more penguins back into your hand that you could then spend to roll more dice again. So so it's sort of Yahtzee-like. It's fun. Again, it's very fast, just like Yahtzee is. And the point of it is just trying to get the highest point. It's neat because it's got animals and some weird math in it. And number 16 is Square Shooters, which is another game with a deck of cards on the dice. This one is different because unlike the poker dice which only has 9 through ace, this has 9 dice with all 54 possible card faces on it. And they're spread out throughout the 9 dice. It brings one set of rules which you're playing Yahtzee mechanics to to win cards and each card has an easy and a hard goal and depending on where you go for the easy or hard you get more points. Apparently there's also other rules available on the website. I haven't tried them out at all. So that's it. So those it's a quick rundown of sixteen Yahtzee like games that are all playable solitaire to one extent or another. If I had to pick a fair from here, it's hard to say. I mean I haven't played all these very much at all. The ones I've played I like I like Yahtzee because it's simple. I like Decathlon because the the different games within it fit the theme so well and surprising. Uh I like the Catan Dice game again because it's simple to play and you could be distracted while you're playing and you do fine. Oh, one more thing I should mention about Catan Dice Game. There is on the Android an app of the Catan Dice Game. I've played it. It's free to download. I'm not sure if it's still available or not because it's not official. And it works alright. And I like D-Day Dice. Again, that, one, that one's pretty neat. It's pretty thematic. And there's tons of options when you play the game. Next up is going to be the review of the Catan Dice Game. But before we do that, I'm going to have another little contest. This one's not very much, it's probably not even a good prize, but whoever wins is going to win a set of poker dice. And just to make it interesting, the way you enter this contest and participate is you go into the, you go to the post I'm going to create on the one player guild, and you're going to roll a s- five poker dice, and then you're going to re-roll and re-roll again and see who could get the best hand using those Yahtzee mechanics. And I'll put the details on, on the thread, but that's the idea. Play poker dice, whoever gets the best hand wins a set of poker dice. I have two sets. I think I've thrifted them both. So I'll give one of them away. Okay, on to Catan, the dice game.
So today's game is the Catan Dice Game. It's uh, designed by Klaus Tuber and published in 2007. What I have is the original edition in the box. It has a little tiny box. Inside there's a little rule book, the six dice, and a score pad. The score pad looks like it has a little map. Well, the, the map looks like a six Catan tiles with an empty space in the middle. And along the map are drawn buildings and settlements and roads that you can fill in and little night symbols. And then there's a scoring path at the top and a little chart, a little legend on the top telling you how much it costs to build each of those things. So the gameplay is really simple. You roll six dice, set any aside, roll again, set any aside, bring others back if you want, and roll a third time. And then use your th results to build different uh, structures. You can build as much as you want as long as you have the resources for it. And you also have to build an order. You start with you could start with a road or a, a village or a settlement. I forget. I'm sorry. I really don't remember which is which. But from here on out, I'm going to call the little building a settlement and the bigger one a village. So at the first one, you could either build a settlement or a road. And then after you build that first road, then you can build other roads and you keep going off from there and branching onto different locations. <clears throat> the roads are really easy to build. It costs a brick and a wood. The night's a little harder. Settlement's a little harder. And village, again, much harder. And in the game, you have, I think, 15 turns total. The dice that come with my version are really simple. They're wooden dice, and they have printed uh, symbols on them in different colors. There's the, the five resources. There's the brick, lumber, ore, sheep, and grain, I think. And then there's also a gold symbol. And in this game, if you have two gold, you could trade it for a different resource. So you basically tra trade your two dice for one. Let me tell you what the different things you could build do. The roads just let you reach other things you could build, such as the settlements and villages. The knights, you could always build a knight if you have the resources. And there's six of them, and each one, after you've built them, he'll give you one resource for free. The last one, since there's only five resources, the last one gives you a wall and you can build any resource you want. Then the village gives you some points. Actually, everything gives you points. The roads always give one point. The first knight gives one, second knight two, third knight three, and so on, up to the last knight giving you six. The villages... I'm sorry, the settlements give you points. There's one, two, three, four, five, six settlements in here. The cheapest one is three points. The best one at the end is 11 points. And then finally, the villages. There's four villages. And again, the first ones are pretty cheap. And by the end, you're getting 20 points per. If you actually manage to build the last village, you'll get 30 points for it, which would be pretty impressive to do. So that's it. That's basically the whole game. The only other rule I've left off is if you roll and you can't build anything in turn, then you get some negative points. I think you get negative two points. Once you've played all 15 turns, you add up your score and see how you've done. It takes, again, like five or ten minutes to play a game. You know, it's it's a lot like Yahtzee. The rules are a little bit different. But it's basically Yahtzee with a little bit more theme on there. Still pace it on, but the theme makes it interesting. If I had to choose between this and Yahtzee, I don't know. It'd be hard to press. I really appreciate that this has a theme and enjoy that about it. I think Yahtzee is probably got... I think Yahtzee probably has better mechanics and is really a better overall game. This one, I think, cost about $10 when I bought it. There is also a deluxe version, which, instead of coming in a little box, comes in a blister pack and it has a dice cup with a lid and the dice are plastic and instead of being 
printed on, they're engraved, so they should be more durable. The score sheet is colored, which is nice, and it's double-sided because there's another variant on the back. But I think the variants are only for multiplayer games because they're a race to see who, who gets to a certain point first. Besides that, there's another variant, and I printed this from BGG, and I'm not really sure where it comes from, but it gives you other things you could build, and you could. And I've been playing it solo. I'm not sure maybe this is the multiplayer variant. I have no idea. But it lets you build uh, ports or ships, and it has a keen and some other symbols. So it makes the game more interesting, and if I remember right, it makes it more high-scoring. Though it doesn't add a lot of excitement to the game. And what I did was I printed those out and then laminate them. And then when I play, I use those score pans with a dry erase marker and I just write on it. And after I finished, I erase it. I forgot that the deluxe version is about $25. And I think those are the only two versions available. And I believe they're both currently available. So yeah, it's a, it's a decent filler. You know, it's fun for what it is. Don't put a lot of heart into it and I think you'll you'll enjoy it fine. Okay, and that's it for this show. Possibly, probably the shortest review yet. Well, that's the end of today's episode. If you'd like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek, or you can email me at oneplayeralbert at gmail.com. You can also post comments on the podcast geek list on BoardGameGeek, or come visit the One Player Guild on BoardGameGeek for comments and discussion and whatnot. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected under a Creative Commons license. The song and copyright information can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published under Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. Thanks for listening.